Good morning. Well, good morning, everybody. I love it. I love that sound. Just people, not good morning, but just, I just love people chatting. It's just kind of fun to, to have that and be a part of that. It's so great to hear and see. Online, good to see you. One elbow, elbow bumps. Yeah, that's it. Oh, man, it's great. Good. I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to have, great to see everybody. It's a good Sunday morning, right? It's nice out. Halloween. Lots of chocolate today. That's what I love about Halloween. I get to give kids chocolate and they go home to mom and dad. It's so great. Ah, anyway, I know I'm evil. Ah, well, hey, so just kind of thinking things through, just thinking about the last year, year and a half or so. It's been kind of a junky year, hasn't it? Uh, a lot of tough times for a lot of people. Personally, businesses, churches, I mean, everything. It's just been kind of, kind of meh. And what's, I, I love our board here at the church, our, our board, our team of men and women that, that just kind of, they pray for us as a church. They help things move and shake, and it's kind of awesome to see and be a part of that. But uh, John, who was just up here, our founding, founding pastor and planting pastor, he, he at one of the meetings had suggested, just said, we need some joy. We need to start talking about some joy. We need to have that and seeing that and hearing that and believing that. And so he got a word from the Lord to go through the book of Philippians. And so Pete was like, yeah, let's do that. Because that'd be exciting to have our people just experience, all of us experience joy. And so we're, go, we're going through the book of Philippians. The last couple weeks, John and, and Paul have done a fantastic job of taking us through the first chapter. And so today, we are going to look at chapter 2. So if you brought your Bibles, you can turn to it. If you have your Bible app, you can click on that. You can read it on the screen behind me either way. Uh, it'll be great to have you follow along. So as you're getting there, as you're turning and clicking and all that stuff... I just want to point something out to us today, or to you today, and that is, God created us to be together. You know that? God created us to be together. Now, some of us like to be around people a lot. That's me. I get my energy from being around people. That's why I love Sunday mornings. I get my energy from you. Now, some people, though, they like to be around people a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> Right down front. How about online? How about you? You can chime in on that in the chat there and let us know. But either way, either way, it doesn't matter if you like to be with people a lot or a lot less. It doesn't matter. What matters is that um, there's a calmness. There's a safety. There's, there's something there that just knowing that somebody else is around. It just, <sighs> being able to talk to somebody physically Versus over a screen or on a phone or whatever. It's just, huh, for my mom, for instance. She lives in Iowa. She lives alone. And she'll come up and visit uh, every once in a while. And I notice that she'll sleep till 7 a.m. Now, for some of you, that, that's like, dude, that's like super early. And for some of you, that's like, man, I've had four cups of coffee by then. But here's the thing, I'm used to seeing her get up and, and experiencing her getting up at three or four in the morning. Now, how do I know this? I'm here and she's there because I get text messages at three, four, and five in the morning. 
I'm like, come on, mom, really? Sorry, mom, love you. I know you're watching. <laughs> See you soon, hopefully. But no, but I ask her, though, every time before she leaves, I ask her, how'd you sleep? And she goes, you know, this is the best sleep that I've had in a long time. Every time she comes up, it's the same answer. So I ask you, why is that? And I'm convinced of two things. One is that she just is, she just feels safe with family around. We're a very small family. I'm an only child. And, and we do, I mean, our families, we get together and go on vacation every year together. So we do a lot together. So for her, that's safe. But then also something that we can all wrap our minds around and wrap our hearts around is that there's safety in knowing that there's somebody there that is protecting us, is loving us, encouraging us. And when you have that, it's just like, ah, and you can rest and just know that somebody's there. See, we're made to be together. We were meant to be together. Now, how... I will say this, in our togetherness, we experience some messiness, right, in our relationships, some real messiness, friendships, marriages, work relationships, parents and children, things like that. Last week, I was looking at uh, relationships, just kind of browsing the internet online for, you know, some, some relationship stuff, and, and uh, I found that there are 10 million, about 10 million results and 200,000 book titles on how to deal with all sorts of relational issues. I'm just like, man, am I in the wrong business? I just write a book and make a million dollars? Life is good. But why are we struggling so much with our relationships? What is causing the blow-up and messiness of our relationships? Show of hands. How many of us want good relationships? 100%, almost. If you don't have your hand up, your arm is broken. (laughs) Just saying. I think God really wants to do something today. I think God wants to speak to us today. So I would encourage you to really understand what Paul is saying here. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. Before I read it, though, I want you to understand that Paul is writing to the church in Philippi from Rome while he's in prison. And you're like, oh, okay, well, he's not that far. Like, from here to St. Paul isn't that far, right? No, 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 no. Rome to Philippi is about a 19-hour car drive. Okay? So they didn't have cars. They had feet and maybe a horse, maybe a donkey, and maybe a camel. I mean, who knows? It's, anyway, it's a long ways away. And he had heard, while he's in prison, from that far, all the strife and divisiveness that was happening in the church after he had left. He planted a church in Philippi. Things were going great. Ministry was happening. Life was happening. And then when he left to go spread the gospel, and then he's in prison, now he hears about this. It's like, oh, man. So Paul, in chapter 2, is addressing what they need to do to achieve unity within their relationships so the church can be healthy again. We can say we want to be a healthy church. We can say and try and do things to be a healthy church. But if we aren't pursuing healthiness ourselves, we are the church, guys. The building doesn't make the church. We are the church. So if we're not pursuing this health, are we a healthy church? 
Let's, re- uh, let's, let's do this before we read it. I want to I pray for us. Man, this is going to be a lot to unpack today. Let's just pray. So just come, Holy Spirit. Just come. God, speak to us today. Let us hear you. Let us experience you today. Speak to us through your word. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> All right, let's, let's read Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? <clears throat> any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now, Paul gives us four actions to maintain unity, to maintain unity or be reunified. One is love one another. That's in verse 2. Work together for a purpose. That's also in verse 2. Verse 3 says avoid selfishness, and verses 3 and 4 say focus on others. However, here's the thing. Paul isn't done yet. He goes on in verses 5 through 8 to tell us what we need to achieve those four actions. So not only do we have to achieve four actions, not only do we have to do something, but we have to have the fuel to do it. Here's what he says in verses 5 through 8. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Okay, I guess we're done, right? Let's pray. Let's go home. No, 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 no. What is that attitude? And he goes on and says in verses 6 through 8, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Paul is saying that God humbled himself in becoming a man and then humbled himself again in dying a criminal's death. So, in order to practice those four actions, it says in verse 5, you must have the attitude of Christ, which is humility. Or guys, these actions are useless, and we remain in disunity. So it appears that togetherness requires the humble attitude of Christ. Now I see some of you like going cross-eyed, maybe tilting your head like, what's happening? Too much information, smoke coming out of your ears. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack those actions for you today. So let's unpack those knowing that humility must be a part of unity within relationships in order to have a healthy church, okay? Action number one is love one another. John 15, 12, Jesus said, this is my commandment, love each other the same way I have loved you. 1 Peter 4, 8, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Deep love. Not the, I love the Vikings, I love the Packers, I love bratwurst, I love sauerkraut. I, it's that deep love. 
It's non-judgmental, unconditional, sacrificial kind of love is what he's talking about. Take some time, take some time here for a second and think about maybe how you can show that love to someone this week or how maybe you have in the past or maybe somebody's showed that to you. Maybe this week you make a meal for somebody. Maybe you go help someone. Maybe you give your husband or your wife a foot massage, especially if you don't like feet. But really, it's showing God's love in practical ways. How can we do that? Showing God's love, loving each other deeply. There's so many things that we can do to love each other, to begin maybe the healing process of a relationship or solidifying a relationship you already have. Action number two. We're together for a purpose. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 14, says, Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the, part of the body, but because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Paul is talking about how we need each other to achieve the goal of spreading the gospel, sharing the good news. Everybody has a part. I love the Vineyard slogan that says, everybody gets to play. Nobody sits on the sidelines. Everybody, every one of us has been given a a gift by the Holy Spirit to go out and do what he's called us to do. We are called a church body because everyone plays a part. Everyone has a part, and no part is better than the other. No part is higher than the other. We are all equal in the body of Christ, and we need to work together for a purpose, and that's what Paul was talking about. Work together for a purpose. Don't fight amongst each other about that. Action number three, avoid selfishness. So what is the difference between selfishness and humility? I'm going to share a few things. Selfishness says, life is all about me. My interests. What about my desires? My problems? My position? What about my needs? Have you ever been talking with someone and you just want to share with them? You just want them to listen, but somehow the conversation turns to them? It's all about me. Humility says life is all about us. It's win-win. How can I help you? What can I do for you? How can can I listen to? I want to listen to your story. Let me hear what you have to say. Selfishness says I'm like God. I'm in control. I'm going to judge you because you messed up, Charlie. Believe that. But humility says, I'm going to let go of my claim to be God. 
Because when Jesus came to the world, when Jesus came to the world, he gave up his right to be judged. John 3, 17. We know John 3, 16. That's like worldwide known in sports and all that. John, but the verse right after it says this, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. We need to release our attempt at being God in someone's life, letting go of being the judge. It is not our job to judge. Selfishness says, I am the master of my life. I'm the master of my fate and I'm the master of my soul. The American dream, the American, the American success goes something like this. It might be a little different here and there. But you develop a life plan. You figure out what you're good at, skills, talents. Develop a strategy to achieve those goals by using those talents. And then you relentlessly follow after that strategy. And you follow it to the T. Which, I, hey, I'm all about making goals and, and making a plan. Although selfishness is saying, I can't stray from that plan. Because if I do, I'm a failure. But humility says, Jesus is the master of my life. I'm not the master of my fate. I'm not self-created. I don't exist to care only about my business plans or my dreams. I have a higher purpose. And that is to do his will and live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul addresses this in Philippians uh, 9 through, in, in the chapter 2, in that verses 9 through 11. He says this in his letter, Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God humbled himself twice, came as Jesus, a human being, humbled himself again to die a, a, a criminal's death. So he's humbling himself, but then he's elevated to the top. There's a verse in the Bible that says that last shall be first and the first shall be last. He exemplified that. Now, as I look back on my life, I have two major things that I wanted to accomplish. The first one is I wanted to play football for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I grew up in Iowa, born and raised. I believe black and gold. I wanted to be a Hawkeye. I, when I was little, I wanted to be six foot three, weigh 250 pounds, and crush the quarterback. Yeah. I got one of those, right? But my room was full of Hawkeye stuff. I love the Hawkeyes, and I, I love football, and I wanted to do those things. The second thing I wanted to do was start my own business. I wanted to work for myself. I didn't want to work for anybody else. I wanted to, to impact people in my community, people around me, and then make some good money doing it, right? Well, I didn't get recruited by the Iowa Hawkeyes, or any team for that matter. In fact, I played quarterback and I got crushed. So that didn't happen. However, as a sophomore or junior in high school, I realized that that wasn't going to happen. And I was involved heavily in my youth group. And I said, God, 
this is what I'd like to do, but if, if you want me to do something else, I'm open to that as well. So a few years later, I realized two things. One, I got to play college football. It was just for the, well, what's now is the University of Northwestern in St. Paul. So back then it was Northwestern Bible College. I got to play. Backup quarterback, third string receiver. It was great. I loved it. But the biggest thing that came out of that was I received my call to go into youth ministry. Interesting how all that works. If I was an Iowa Hawkeye, would I have been called as a youth pastor? I don't know. Now, as far as my owning my own business, that too did not take place. However, God is at it again. Taking my dream, my hope, what I wanted to do, and actually opening the door to turning, turning it into doing his will. God has called my wife and I, Chris, my wife and I, to plant a church in the Rosemount, Farmington area next September. We are terrified. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We are terrified, yet at the same time, so excited to be a part of what God is doing. This truly is a call from God. Um, I mean, it's just like starting our own business, only we're not the owners. God is. And that's what's key. In fact, the Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? And I love the Vineyard Church. I, will, I, remember, when I, I remember the first time I saw the Holy Spirit at work at, a, at the Vineyard Church I was at in Waterloo, Iowa, 20 years ago. I was hooked. And I think that is when the seed was planted to say, hey, you're going to go start another church. But it was just a few years later. Since then, I've been in ministry a long time, serving and growing and praying, teaching, leading, making a lot of mistakes, learning from those mistakes. But I was understanding who God created me to be. Now, being a part of River Heights has brought that seed to life. I remember sitting in my interview a year and a half ago with Justin and, and Pete, and the heart was, we want to plant churches. That's our heart. I'm like, okay, that's neat. That's cool. Well, did, little did I know a few months ago, that got called out in me, and that is now starting to flourish. I mean, we want to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit elevated, experienced and spread throughout the South Metro, the East Metro, all over um, the city. We want to see a vineyard church planted in every city south of the river. And guys, these are perfect examples of how making Jesus Lord of your life can become something amazing. These are God's versions of my dreams. What I thought I could do here he went, uh-uh, I'm going to take you up here. He's like, whoa, this is amazing. So when you submit to the lordship of Jesus, amazing things can happen in your life. Will you struggle a little bit? Sure you will. You probably have some rocky times too. It may not even turn out the way you thought it would or even in your own time frame. But let me tell you guys, God knows what he's doing. And he's got your back. 
then sometimes that's all we need to know. I really like the quote from John Wimber. John Wimber is the founder of the Vineyard Movement. He's passed. Uh, he's passed away. But I love this quote. He says, we are loose change in the pocket of the Lord. God gets to spend us any way he wants. Amazing what God can do when we let him. We've looked at loving one another, working together for a purpose, avoiding selfishness. I know I spent a little extra time in selfishness. I did that because selfishness is one of the main reasons why relationships explode out of selfishness. And sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. Action number four. Got to get moving. Oops, sorry. Um, action number four. Focus on others. A few weeks ago, uh, there was a farmer in Iowa who was um, doing his farming thing, and a, one of his steers threw him, a 1,200-pound steer threw him, fractures all throughout his body. He couldn't move, and finally they, they got to him and, and whatnot, but it's harvest season. This is where they make their money. You don't make money, you lose the farm. Well, 21 farmers eight combines, 10 semis, and a lunch from a local restaurant. And a few hours later, all his crops were harvested. And he was able to just focus on healing. That's focusing on other people. That's taking time out of your own harvest time to go do that. And taking the time to, to focus on others isn't just a one-time event. That's a really neat story. But it's a lifestyle change. This is something that's going to have to take some time. It's changing the way we do things so the focus is on others and, more importantly, Jesus. And the Bible isn't meant to be, it's not meant to be doable alone apart from the Holy Spirit. We have to do it with the Holy Spirit's power. We won't succeed long-term, guys, on our own. You ever tried to obey the commands in the Bible? Like, really try? Let me give you two, two of them. Love your enemies? Right. That's hard. How about another one? Forgiveness. Oh. Luke 17, 3 through 4 says, If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. Guys, I can't do that. And neither can you without the power of the Holy Spirit. Because after the second time, we're all like, are you nuts? I'm not going to forgive you for that. But God's saying, no, do it. What if, what if in our relationships we chose to say, Lord, I am at your disposal. Spend me any way you want. So what does that look like? What if you said, Lord, if you want me to reach out to a person who has hurt me and hurt me deeply and forgive them, I will do that and entrust them to your judgment. What if what if you said, Lord, if you want me to give or go to someone that I've offended and become humble and say I'm sorry, I will do that and entrust you with the outcome. 
Or what if you just said, Lord, if you want me to go down another path, I will. Guys, I'm almost 50 years old, and I'm going down another path. A lot of life left. It's never too late to say, Lord, use me. Because ultimately, Jesus Christ is my Lord. Let's take some time and pray for a minute. As we pray, I just want you to think about a few things. I want you to think about a, a few things. That when, when was the last time that you humbled yourself before Jesus? When was the last time you actually humbled yourself and you actually gave aspects of your life to Jesus? Maybe your kids, your spouse, your relationships, whatever it is. Or... Maybe you look back on your life and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And maybe you look back and you're like, man, I need to come back. I've been doing this thing on my own for so long. I am so tired. And maybe you just need to come back underneath the Lordship of Jesus. God, I just pray for my friends here today. Holy Spirit, come. Pull on our hearts. God, if we need to do some things, if we need to come back to you, help us do that. God, help us to make that turn, that lifestyle change, to come back to you, to come to you, to come under your lordship. God, I pray for my friends here today. Love on them. God, just bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. As the worship team comes up, would you stand with me? Stand if you're able. That's awesome. Uh, if you're on the, the prayer ministry team, if you could come up along the front here, on the sides, that'd be fantastic. Um, some tips. Got three tips for us uh, today. One is read Philippians 2. Read Philippians 2 for yourself under the guise of humility and being humble and what that looks like. Another tip. This one's about humility. Guys, this, we've got to pray for this. Humility is a spiritual gift. It's not something that's just naturally comes to us. It's not built into us. It's a spiritual gift. And we have to pray for that. So that's another tip is pray for the gift, the spiritual gift of humility. Again, it's a lifestyle change. So it's not something that's just going to be a one-time thing and one and done. Keep praying it over and over. Pray it for the next two weeks and see what happens. The last tip is love on someone this week without receiving anything in return. Love on somebody. Bless them. Guys, we have people that love to pray. I encourage you to come up and pray this morning. If you pray to make Jesus the Lord of your life for the first time or you just... Come on up and receive prayer. If you prayed to come back, come on up and receive prayer. Maybe you need to forgive somebody, and that's hard. You need some help with that. Come up and receive prayer. Here's the thing, guys. This is a judgment-free zone. I know I just sounded like the spokesperson for Planet Fitness. But really, this is a judgment-free zone. Prayer is between you, God, and the person you're praying with. When you walk up here, 
No one's thinking you're a loser. Nobody's thinks, nobody's thinking anything. In fact, what's happening, here's what I love about our family here. Our, our community here, when you start walking up, people begin to pray for you as you walk up. They don't look down on you. Come underneath the Lordship of Jesus. We want to pray for you. We want to be a part of that. Now, if you stay in your seats, that's okay too. Don't feel bad if you don't come up. But I just want to make it easy for people because, man, we just love to pray for people. We want to see people healed physically, emotionally, relationally. That's what we want. That's what God wants to do is heal us. So as the worship team, as we sing another, another song here, just come on up and receive prayer. If you feel God giving you any tug at all, just come up. See what can happen. And then the worship team will dismiss you. Love you guys. Blessings.